I'm K.A. Hardiman. And I am Veronica Mars. And this is the Sticks and Stones podcast. Um, we created this podcast to bring awareness to stalking cases, mainly mine. Um, but we do tend to highlight other cases as well. Um, I am an author. I recently got an Amazon bestseller. I'm also an actress and a mother. I run an indie publishing company with one of my best friends and am a published author myself. And I'm currently working on another trilogy because sci-fi is my passion. So this podcast, we're going to be opening up by breaking down your case and what has been happening to you for how long now? Um, Almost 11 years, like we're, we're right at 11 years, I think, which is crazy to think about. And the big reason we think that it's important to bring this to light in podcast form and also chronologically list the evidence and information on this case is because the legal system is so lacking in how they enforce these sorts of cases, which we'll definitely be getting into later as we go through the show. Um, but as far as for you personally, um, you know, kind of what's the big goal here or motive here to why this is important to be made? So personally, for me, the why is because I feel like there are a lot of changes that need to be made within the legal system when it comes to someone being able to not only press charges against someone, but being able to protect yourself in certain aspects from someone abusing the system against you. Um, which that is something that happened to me. Um, and unfortunately, um, the stalker in the matter is still trying to do this with the system and not much has changed over the last 11 years. And I just feel like it would be really important in this day and age now that more people are waking up to social justice and how, um, certain groups are disenfranchised and marginalized. I think it's really important. And it's, it seems to be the more opportune time to bring this to the forefront because it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Absolutely. And I think another big thing that the laws haven't really caught up with and a lot of people haven't talked about is the ways that someone can cause harm over the internet on top of causing harm in real life. Absolutely. Um, Which I know that that's been a large chunk of your case and a lot of things that happen to other people with basically sabotage from stalkers and harassers through cyberbullying and different um, forms of internet and social media and such. So I think yes. it'd be good to highlight that as well in the ways that we need to catch up with the times. We need to catch up with the reality that we live in. Definitely. In our legal system. Definitely. Um, it's about time that the legal system caught up. It's about time that, um, you know, we put more pressure on social media companies that allow people to abuse not only, you know, their platforms, but then to go out into the world and do damage as well. Absolutely. And it's ironic that we're starting today when the big news about what's going on with a specific social media company um, is the topic at hand of the day because a lot of these companies are aware of these problems and have the ability to stop them and are not stopping them to opt for profit yes Um, and that is like really terrible and you know it's funny because i guess facebook is back up and i am so disappointed that they are (laughs) like (laughs) like i was for a minute i was like this is it like we are finally free from bondage nope nope 
And I'm like, gosh darn it. Like we were almost we were almost out of the woods, guys. We were almost out of the woods. The wool was almost lifted and now it's not. Uh, we'll be talking about theories that we have and observations we've made throughout the podcast about other such things, but I've heard a lot of hearsay of theory that they had all of their sites down so that they could eliminate a lot of evidence, which feels yes. very probable. That feels very um, probable because like it, it'd be one thing if it was just Facebook, but being that it was literally every company that Facebook owns. Yeah. Literally all of them, including WhatsApp and messenger. Like what? <laughs> yeah. what? And their VR system, Oculus. Yeah, that too. And so I was which just like, like, there has to games, be like, right? Like, right, right. And so it's like, but like, I guess like on some level they're probably like storing information you know what I mean on that as well and there's probably a lot of harassment with you know um virtual reality too so um, absolutely I'm willing um, to bet that there was probably some credible things that the whistleblower put out there because I mean she copied the internal documents you know what I mean so it's not yeah. like she could doctor or fake those like those were straight you know from Facebook she basically stole a filing cabinet worth of digital documents yeah yeah um, but good on her I'm proud of her yeah you did yeah. good, girl. Thank you. Absolutely. And um, I know with the VR world, that's a whole other subsection of harassment when it comes to like sexual harassment and the way women are treated in the gaming industry that yeah, um, a lot of industries try to play the, oh, what? there's nothing we can do. Freedom of speech, blah, 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 blah. When in reality, you know, there are right. women run companies that are making it where, you know, if someone tries to do something disgusting to you in VR, then their character disappears. Like right. you visually can't see it. So then they don't get the gratification, things like that. It's like, it can be done. You're just not doing it. Right. You just don't care to do it is the thing. So that's crazy. But um, essentially we have a compilation of evidence, some pointing to the suspect as being the guilty party and some that feels very coincidental to being coordinated with the guilty party um, yes. and also additional evidence that is, you know, publicly accessible about the guilty party's background or who we believe the guilty party's background is. Um, and we will be publishing that with each episode to correlate along with what we're talking about and the evidence that we're presenting. So you'll be able to actually see that and check that after each episode um airs and we'll be having links in the actual postings to those landing pages um and then we'll also be going through some anecdotal and experience-based um you know talking about memories talking about um things that have been relayed to either you from other people or um your own personal experience right yes and as far as my involvement in all of this goes outside of, you know, like I care immensely about you and the kids and y'all have been a huge part of my life, but you've also opened my eyes to a lot of gaps in the system, not just pertaining to this specifically. And so being able to kind of unravel this and lay it all out and look at it big picture um, and try to break that down together. I am um, glad for the opportunity to be able to help in whatever way I can to hopefully bring more justice to this situation and hopefully raise awareness for other people to help either you know victims find their own justice or maybe help towards changing the legal system definitely i definitely hope that somewhere down the line we are able to help enact some positive change into the system that we are desperately needing um i've tried to bang pots and pans about this with my own 
representatives a few times and um sometimes it just feels really daunting to be taking on such a big task by yourself um but that's okay that's okay um you know one foot in front of the other and eventually i do believe we will get there um so yeah so let's start in the beginning um kind of what brought this person into your life um or how were they first introduced to you um so the way this person came into my life um I had just met my now ex-husband, which sounds like a mouthful of words, and we were on vacation. I was meeting his family for the first time, um, and this was in June of 2011. Um, We were on vacation um, with his family, and I get a weird message um, from a guy claiming that his ex-girlfriend is pregnant by my then boyfriend and at first I like brushed it off I was like yeah whatever you know like I kind of just like scoffed at it because people send stupid messages all the time and this was on Facebook that I got this message and um you know I don't I didn't really associate with people that were outside of like my small clique you know like I was working full-time taking care of my kid full-time um you know like that was basically just my my little world I didn't really go out a lot you know like I wasn't hanging out with a bunch of people so I just kind of like blew it off like okay um maybe he just you know got the wrong person but then he name dropped and he said um my boyfriend's name specifically and I was like what is this (laughs) like what is this mess um claiming that you know his ex-girlfriend was pregnant by my current boyfriend so me being the person that I am, I took it to my current beau and I was just like, hey, yo, what is this? And that's when he like kind of dropped the bomb on me. Like, yeah, this girl is saying that she's pregnant by me. Um, apparently they had had a one night stand before, you know, he had met me. So it wasn't like I could be angry at him about that. Like whatever happened before me, I mean, like it was something that was in my head, but I was just like, oh, okay, this may or may not be happening. And she had also sent him several pictures, presumably of herself, because the pictures were cut off. You could only see from the shoulders to about the hip. And there was like a pregnant belly, but there was never like a face or any other identifying factors in the photos. So I don't know if the pictures that she sent him was honestly her. And just for timeline's sake, um, do you how long before this point that y'all were having this conversation um had that one night stand occurred and do you have a timeline as to when she started contacting nate so um as far as i know so nate had dated someone named amanda before me and um i don't know amanda you know we don't hang out in the same social circles but she was someone that lived a couple towns over from me um And before then, uh, he specifically said that it was before he dated Amanda that they had a one night stand. So this would have been at least like a year and some change before he had met me that he would have had a one night stand with Mikhail. So the realisticness of her being pregnant is at this point improbable with the timeline. With the timeline, yes. Um, With the timeline that he gave me, um, you know, her timeline is different. Um, Yeah. You know, and so from the time that 
they slept together until the time that she claimed she was pregnant. You know, she claimed that she was pregnant in June of 2011 with Nate's kid. So um, there would have been a significant chunk of change, you know, time in between. Like it just it's just not feasible to think that someone can be pregnant for 12 plus months. Yeah. Without having like like it would have been on the news that it was a medical miracle that, you know, she had a baby that lived and she was pregnant for that long and stuff, you know. So it started out with a lie that was pretty easy to see through. If it wasn't her lie, it was going to be his lie. But right now we know it was hers. I mean, and then too, um, I always questioned about how her ex-boyfriend would know who I am to send me a message. And then subsequently before that, um, Nate was the one who had gotten messages before I got messages. And it was from the same fake Facebook profile with the name of Joshua Kane, you know, um, claiming that Mikhail was pregnant. Um, and in these messages, it specifically said that um, she was going to go to his command and she was moving to like Tennessee or Georgia or somewhere. Um, there was there was some things that this Facebook profile said and gave both of us the same phone number and told us we should call her to talk about the baby. And in my head, I'm just like, this is nonsense. You know what I mean? Like for me, personally, me, um, I know that anyone out there listening doesn't know me, but you know me and I'm just a really no nonsense type of person. Like I, you know, the first time I encountered this woman, I told her to kick rocks and she didn't like that. So, you know, like I, I'm just yeah. really straightforward. Like don't play in my face about stupid stuff, you know? Um, yeah. And so anyway, um, Nate had gotten the same messages with the same phone number from the same person. And my question always was, how would her ex-boyfriend know who either of us are? to send us messages and my theory is either it was her with the fake profile or she would have had to have been stalking Nate enough that she would know about me and then tell her ex-boyfriend which seems very the latter seems very outlandish because like her ex-boyfriend what does he have to gain yeah that's a huge question that I've had from which I know we'll get into like her claims later um, on but that's been one of my big questions through all of this is based on her allegations, there just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense why her ex would want to do this. Um, right. Because it seems like it would be pushing them together instead of driving them apart, which if he wanted her back or was trying to, you know, control her in some sort of way sending her into someone else's arms seems like the last way to do that right right it's just not logical if you're trying to win someone back that you would message them that your ex-girlfriend is pregnant by them you know like it just it's a very outlandish thing to do however um i feel like i can say this because we both lived in jacksonville um, unfortunately, there is a thing that happens in Jacksonville where people, we all sleep with military men and Nate was military. Um, sometimes they will sleep with military men and then claim to be pregnant in order to scam money for abortions. And I know abortion is a hot topic, but unfortunately, um, it's, a, it's an actual thing that happens in military towns. <laughs> it's terrible, but it, it does happen. Um and I had another theory that that could have been the deal. Um, but it was just really hard to figure out, like, you know, 
out of all the theories I've had, like, I can't, I really just can't understand why. Just to clarify a few <clears throat> facts here, the messages that Nate got were all from this supposed ex-boyfriend as well, correct? Correct. It was the same ex-boyfriend then, that contacted me. Which makes sense that one of your first assumptions at that section of time, especially with knowing nothing about this woman, besides the very little information that Nate gave you when you asked him about it, um, why, you know, the conclusion would be that she's somehow trying to scam him or trying to manipulate him or the other guy, the alleged ex is trying right. to do the same. Right. Right. And so it makes sense that you would dismiss it. Yeah. So, so and, did y'all contact her? I'm sorry. What did y'all end up calling the phone number? Um, so I didn't, Nate did, Nate did call her and she did tell him, and I was with him. She did tell him that she was pregnant and that's when she sent the, the pictures and it was a picture that was just from the shoulders to the hip area and it, you know, like a side profile pregnant belly, but you can't see any, like I said, you can, there were no like identifying factors. There were no tattoos. There were no, you couldn't see, you know, a hairdo or anything. Like it was just a very vague picture, presumably taken in a bathroom. It looked like a bathroom. Um, but she, those were, she did send those pictures claiming that, you know, like she was six or seven months or something. Like she was vis- like, you could tell that, you know, that woman was visibly pregnant and would be due sometime in the next few months. Mm-hmm. But also, too, um, when when Nate had first gotten those messages, you know, I it's it, sometimes I get angry about him not being upfront about it when we first started dating, because I feel like he took away my power of choice to decide whether or not I wanted to be in the middle of a situation like that. Um, but to be you know, to be fair, you know, he also discounted these messages. Like when he got it, he thought, you know, like maybe this girl's ex was just, you know, dicking around and, you know, maybe like it was a situation with her and her ex and, you know, her ex was angry or whatever the case was like, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I feel like I would have appreciated a lot more if he would have been upfront with me when we first started dating about this woman potentially being pregnant. Absolutely. So this side note, if there are any men listening right now, take these situations seriously. If there is a woman who you have been involved with, who is threatening, menacing, and aggressive, think about the future people in your life that may have to be involved with that person and, you know, take it seriously because you never know who can be dangerous. True. And, and even vice versa. And you have an ex that is menacing, that will go through your messages, that will purposely cause trouble in your life. Please tell all the new people coming into your life about it. At least make them aware and give them the choice of whether or not they want to be in the middle of that situation. Because I feel like had I known when me and Nate first started dating, I would have been a lot more critical about how much of an investment I was making into him only because with the situation, like it was menacing, like, like things just weren't adding up. Like, why is this woman's ex-boyfriend contacting me? You know? And that was my question. Like, why is this ex-boyfriend contacting me? Like, how does he know who I am? Um, And so. And it also would have given you more opportunity to protect yourself. That too. And, or like be on the, on the lookout for, you know, like, something that she could be doing or something someone else could be doing, um, you know, 
like being able to collect evidence of these sorts of things or right, definitely. You know, getting a restraining order early on and that kind of thing. Definitely. Um, so at this point, you still have not spoken to her, but she's spoken to Nate. You were there at the time of that conversation. She's claiming to be pregnant, um, even though the timeline does not add up. Um, what happened next? We were driving back from North Carolina and we had a really long conversation about it, about what the options were, about what, you know, our relationship would potentially look like. Um, and Nate had said that his intentions were to remain single indefinitely if he could validate that there was actually a pregnancy. But because he himself could not validate through her or otherwise that there was an actual pregnancy of any sort. He discounted the messages that he had been giving, which is why he said he didn't tell me, which I understand, you know, like if you ask for a sonogram and she declines to give you a sonogram, or if you say, let me come to an appointment and she doesn't want you to come to an appointment, but yet she wants to call your command and say, oh, he got me pregnant and he's not doing what he needs to do, but yet she won't offer any other proof of a baby. You know what I mean? Like, I understand why he would discount it and why he took the route that he did. No. Well, and it goes back to what you said, that there was something that was at least happening enough that people talked about it. Of right. Women being like, hey, you got me pregnant. I want an abortion. Send me a couple hundred dollars. Right. You know, right. Kind of, that kind of thing. Right. Definitely. And so um, we had a conversation. It was the one first big conversation that we had about it on the way back to North Carolina. And we talked about options and what that would look like. And from there, we didn't hear anything else from this profile or otherwise. Um, so we we moved on. And we if you fast forward to the 4th of July, I think there was like maybe two and a half, three weeks um, between that conversation and the 4th of July. And so um, 4th of July rolls around. This is 4th of July of 2011. And um, Nate and I are out with, um, with my first child. And we go see fireworks. And he proposed to me on that day, which I happily obliged. And um, I was really excited that he proposed and so I had we like immediately like told our friends and family before we updated our status on Facebook and this is what made me personally feel like she would have had to have been stalking him to know who I am because not even 30 minutes had gone by after we had changed our statuses to engaged she called him on the phone and was cursing him out like up and down like cursing him out all over the place and it was crazy because we were trying to enjoy our day and like I said we hadn't heard anything else not from her not from whoever her ex-boyfriend is this Joshua Kane guy um there wasn't a peep at all so it behooves me that all of a sudden we get engaged and here she is losing her shit all over him like losing it and, and this um, was the same day that y'all got engaged, correct? So this is yeah. I mean, like trying to celebrate your engagement, trying yeah, to feel like, that positive energy, and she instantly inserts herself. Yeah, instantly. Like it was kind of crazy, and coincidentally, this also happened to be the day that Nate was leaving 
um, to be deployed to Afghanistan. And it was a very stressful, like six hours between the time that she called and the time that I had to drop him off to leave because she was calling incessantly to the point where he had to turn his phone off. Mm. Like we couldn't, like we had to use my phone for him to be able to speak to his friends and family and say goodbyes and things because she would not stop calling us. Like it was over and over. And I mean, she made several threats and this is, for me, this personally, again, this is how I feel like she would have had to have been stalking him to know who I am because she made threats towards me on the phone. Um, he had a voicemail in which she said that she was going to come, quote, kick my ass. And she called me um, an N-word bitch and, you know, threatened to. She made several really disgusting threats um, about causing harm to uh, bodily harm to myself and to my children and to my home so um things that i would rather not repeat um but you know um really serious threats and um like there's no there would be no other reason for you to know who i am you know what i mean like how do you know who i how does your ex-boyfriend again how would he know who i am you know when it wasn't him on the phone, it was her on the phone. Right, like, right. It wasn't clearly him on her the phone. voice. It was, it was her on the I'm phone. I'm sure she identified herself in the voicemail. Do you still have that voicemail? Um, I do believe Nate still has the voicemail. I personally do not have the voicemail. Um, it was something that we had saved for court. I think we have it on like a tape recorder somewhere. Okay. Uh, so from this point, Nate leaves for deployment, and you are here knowing that she is this threatening, menacing person in y'all's life um, right what happened next so uh, months go by and I get another message from this Joshua Kane profile and it was the same spiel you know uh your boyfriend's a bad guy he got my ex-girlfriend pregnant um if you call her you know um she'll tell you about him but you know like he's not a good like basically whoever this person was behind this Joshua Kane profile was they were hard pressed trying to get me to leave Nate. They wanted me to leave Nate and they made that very clear. And this I think is right about the timeline of when you and I first met. So this must've been around like just before October, November, um, 2011, right? Uh, yes. This would have been, I don't remember. I think it was around September if I'm, if I am correct. Okay. I know when I first met you when we were working together at Starbucks, you um, told me at least some introductions to what was happening with this. So, yes, as I knew it was somewhat similar timeline. Yes, because I was working halfway, you know, like I would work at Moorhead a couple days and then I was working in Jacksonville for a couple days. And that was like right before like I moved and stuff, too. And so um you know, I, you know, try to ignore it and try to just move on with my life. And it was just like, it just felt like, I don't know. I felt like there was either one of two things happening. Either this woman is actually pregnant or, um, you know, she's basically just being a weirdo and, um, messaging me for you know no other reason other than to interfere with our relationship which at this point like she should have given birth a long time ago so it just definitely sounds like 
yeah like parents or some like, sort of just wasn't, motive yes it definitely just wasn't you know adding up like it definitely felt like there was some sort of ulterior motive to the messages that were happening and um i have an old acquaintance named marie who um knew who she was um but they weren't like it wasn't like they were friends or anything and um Marie told me that she was in fact not pregnant. Apparently Marie, there's a bar that she frequented um, in Jacksonville. If I'm not mistaken, the name of the bar is Gus's. Um, and it was like a country bar, you know, um, I've been never there been before. There. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I heard it was a good time, but I've never actually been. So um, actually that was the first time I ever rode a mechanical bull was at Gus's. Oh, um, really? That's too funny. Yeah. That it was one of the only 18 and over places and I wasn't 21 yet. So it was trashy, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, Marie um, said that, you know, she was a shot girl at this bar and that she was not, she was in fact not pregnant. And so for me, that kind of like was like, okay, crazy is not pregnant. You know what I mean? Like um, she's not pregnant. She, she is just a nut then <laughs> you know like I'm like okay this girl's crazy um so everything like just you know I didn't respond to the last messages I just you know blocked the profile and moved on with my life um roll around to December of 2011 I'm moving all of our stuff into a new house um and I'm moving from Beaufort to Jacksonville and out of the blue one night I get a message from her directly and I forget exactly what she said, but she made a, a a thinly veiled threat. And then she says, tell Nate I said hi and put a heart next to it. And before I could respond, she blocked me. And I was like, okay, so since we want to play games, that's when I got the police involved. Because I was like, first you, you know, try to meddle in my relationship. Then, you know, the day we get engaged, here you are, like, lighting him up and threatening me. Now you want to send me messages and then block me like you're five. And I was just not having any of it. So um, so I took it to my local magistrate and had a chat with the police department. I filed a police report and then I filed charges for harassment because who are you? I don't know you. Why are you doing this? You know, like, it seemed really crazy to me that like she would be doing all of this and for what you know what I mean like over a baby that didn't exist because of a man that you wanted that didn't want you you know yeah and so um so I that's what I did (laughs) like um and you know I tried to again get on with my life the best that I could um which, I mean, we were doing fine. Um, Nate and I moved into the house. He came back from being deployed. Um, I think it was that February he got back. Um, and it was it was a little bit of a rough period for me, even though everything was okay, because that was when I had my first um, couple of lumpectomies. And so I was, like, in and out of the hospital, in and out of surgery, um, 
I had just had a really big lumpectomy on the left side and like it was hard for me to work and do anything else um, because I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't like it was just hard. I was on medication, um, pain medication that was like really heavy so I couldn't drive, you know, like it was um, it was a time. But everything was like falling into place. We were planning the wedding. Um, you know, we were getting everything in order. Like, you know, aside from her, like trying to meddle within our relationship in the way that she had been, like everything had been good, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, we, you know, I pressed forward and um, unfortunately she just did not go away. Um how frequently was she contacting either you or Nate during that time period leading up to uh, y'all's wedding? Um, it was, you know, it, it kind of the same way she does it now. Like there would be like one week where it would be like full on like messages every day or every other day. And then there would be a period of silence before she would come back. And it was really like, um, I don't want to say intimidating, but it was irritating because like you never knew you know, when she would get a wild hair and decide that she wanted to cuss you out again, you know, like it was ridiculous. Um, But I will say, so after, you know, I filed the charges in December, everything was good for, you know, a few months. Um, We had gotten married in March of 2012. And um, right before we had gotten married, she filed something with Nate's command called a inspector general complaint. Um, and in an inspector general complaint, um, she literally said that, you know, I, I guess at this point the charges had caught up with her and she had been served or whatever. Um, and in, in her complaint, she stated that, um, she wanted me to drop the charges against her. And the reason why this is so outlandish to me is because I, I've i never been um, a member of the armed for- forces. I'm not um, in the military. I've never been subject to, you know, the UMCJ code. I think that's what it is, right? Um <laughs> I've, I've never been subject to any of those things. The, the government has never owned me in that way. So the fact that she would abuse a government process to get to me and Nate that way um, was really irritating. Um, Indicative of patterns to come. Uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so let me back up because we did file um, a protection order. And was that before or after your wedding? I believe it was before the wedding and um, I I don't know if she had gotten served with both of those at the same time. I don't know, you know, where she was or what the circumstances were around her being served. I just know that in between her being served and the time that I filed the paperwork and the time that Nate and I filed um, for protection order, like she seemingly did not care um there were a few instances where she would like message me some bullshit and i would literally tell her like hey i filed charges against you i filed a protection order like one of these days you're gonna get served like you should probably stop while you were ahead and it like she just laughed about it like she she didn't care um so at this point you have a protective order and you have um harassment charges against her And she filed the inspector general complaint, essentially demanding that those charges be removed. Yes. Um, 
right around a similar timeline to y'all's wedding in March 2012. Yes. Um, what happened after this? So we get married in March. We go on a honeymoon. We're in San Francisco for like a week and change. We come back. Um, things are seemingly fine. There was a period of about eight months where we were just going to court um, and they were just like small hearings because she had not yet been served. There was nothing that we could do to move forward. Um, but at the same time, she here she was like meddling, you know, like literally anything that she could do to meddle, like whether it was like a nasty post, whether it was a message, whether it was a text message from Nate or what have you. And it was the same pattern that she has now. She would pop up for a week or two and then she would disappear for a month or two and then pop back up like she would get bored with us and then decide, oh, yeah, let me go fuck with them and see what they're doing today. What was the primary platforms that she was using to contact you? It was mostly Facebook. And then like um, at the time I had I was very new to Pinterest. And I started building um, a bit of a platform on Pinterest. I was really learning because Pinterest was so new in and of itself. And then I noticed that she had like 50 billion profiles on Pinterest and um, would pin things and presumably directed towards me. But I was very proactive at blocking things. So I guess, you know, like once she discovered that I had blocked her, she would make another account, which seems to be another pattern. Um if you block one account, you know, they will make 10 more. And it's just really annoying that people even do that. But it is what it is. Um, and was this what she was doing on Facebook as well? You would be blocking her and then she would create new accounts to message you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like the thing, you know, like no matter how many accounts you block, she'll just make another one. Now, I will add a side note in here. It is eerily unnerving to look up her aliases on any social media platform because almost all of them you can find 15 to 50 photo lists, description lists, accounts with some variation of her name with very similar usernames just again and again and again and again just proving how relentless she was and still is at finding any way to get to you. You know, it's funny, something that I noticed, too, while looking through our notes and looking at these profiles, um, even when I had sat down with the digital forensics team that we hired, um, something, too, that I don't know if, like, I'm not sure what the thought process is, but, like, a lot of these fake accounts in the past were all following one another, And subsequently, every now and again, they would also be following one of her actual active accounts with her name and photo and stuff, too. Which she also operates under a fake name, Um, legal name. Several. Yes, there's several different names that she has used online. And um, we never really knew which one would be like a fake name or her actual legal name, which is part of the reason why it was so hard to get her served with any sort of paperwork in the beginning because she used so many different names. And ultimately, unfortunately, that is what also helped her when it came to like the abuse of legal processes was using multiple different fake names. Yeah. So from here... What were the steps that happened until um, you actually met her? Where we left off was um, March of 
2012, Nate and I had gotten married. We went to San Francisco. We came back from San Francisco. Uh, That's when we found out about the inspector general complaint that she filed. And then she had started filing charges against me, claiming that she had been harassed. And um, she didn't show up for court um, for any uh, for any of those filings. So, you know, we she uh, wasn't served with the protective order yet, but she had already been served with, you know, the summons for harassment from when she threatened me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we went to court for that. She didn't show up. So there was a bench warrant um, issued for her arrest. Whenever she was arrested on that bench warrant, that is when they served her with the order of protection. And that is when she started filing charges against me, presumably in retaliation. Um, Do you recall what those charges were? She, um, I believe the first one was cyber stalking. Um, But the, the warrant itself just alleged that I supposedly harassed her. But it didn't list anything specific. She just said that she was harassed and that was it. And then as far as um, those went, you were summoned to court for those and she did not show up to her own? Correct. Correct. So that that was for her to file charges against you. She didn't show up as a defendant. Correct. So the first time she did that... um, the first time she did that, I showed up at, you know, when she first started filing charges against me, I showed up as the defendant and she did not show up. And subsequently that case was dismissed. Now, this also is indicative of a pattern, which seems to be that she was trying to find, this is at least our assumption, trying to find any way to use the legal system to inconvenience your life. Yes. Um, that is the theory is that she just thought that it would be, I don't know. I I don't want to say that she thinks it's funny, but I, I hold the personal belief that this is just my opinion, that she gets gratitude out of inconveniencing me in that way or trying to, and it has become a pattern and, um, unfortunately, or fortunately in my case, Fortunately for me, these patterns have opened up my case to be eligible for an abusive process claim today. Um, And we'll talk about that in future episodes. But there are so many patterns. And when you look at the behaviors of other people who also engage in this type of behavior, um, it's eerie to note that they all do the same types of things like people who behave this way it's crazy like i want to be careful about how i describe it because i don't want it to sound like we we are talking about a you know a subset of people because we're not but there are people out there who engage in stalking and harassment harassing other people but they all tend to do the same types of things and that just kind of like blew my mind when i was doing like um research about like the criminal mind and like criminal thought patterns and the pattern of somebody who regularly like trolls or harasses other people like they all do the same shit it's crazy 
Well, they're likely all either learning from the same sources, like watching television or reading stories about what other people have done um, or using the most accessible resources to do these things, like being able, like not having IP blocking on social media platforms. That's something that Instagram only very recently came out with, but that ability has always been there. They could have added that feature all along and they did not. And that would have prevented her from being able to create multiple accounts again and again, which obviously many other digital stalkers will do to be able to see public posts from someone who has blocked them. Right. Um, because it's easy. Right. Definitely. And it's, it's just wild to think about like the links that someone will has to go through to make that many accounts just to inconvenience you though and you right. know it's different it's, it's emails, wh- different phone numbers all of that because like like- every time you make a new account you have to make you know a new email for that account like the time and the effort that was put into her coming after me in that regard and when I think about the time and effort other people put into going after others in that regard like that kind of just blows my mind you know because it's, it's like, like a hobby obsession um, it's, it's, I, I can barely man my own social media profiles. <laughs> I can't imagine having five to 10 of them at any given time and just rapid fire, like logging into this one and this one and this one, like absolutely fucking not. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. um, that's not something that I ever see myself being able to do. Um, I'm already a very low energy person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> So let's kind of wrap up today's episode with what led up to um, you two meeting in court. I believe it was around May of 2012 there. So um, that the case that she had filed against me was dismissed because she didn't show up. Um, And then subsequently the case that I filed against her, the bench warrant was issued. Um, I do not remember the exact day she had gotten, you know, arrested on that bench warrant, but that's when she was served with a protective order, like I said before, and it was April of 2013, so some time had definitely gone by. Um, It was April of 2013 when we went to court um, for the protective order, and that was the first time I had seen her face to face. And this is when she was trying to get the protective order removed, correct? Like, that's what this hearing was for? Or was this to kind of, like, finalize the protective This was to finalize it. This was to finalize it. Yeah. So, um, that's, like, when, I guess, whenever she got arrested, like, um, I guess that's when she figured out it was serious. Because then she started, like, actually showing up to the court dates that were being had. So to summarize kind of what's led us to where we are in this timeline, this is spanning between um, around June 2011 through April 2013. Correct. uh, In her incessantly claiming she's pregnant, um, trying to insert herself in y'all's lives, um, cursing Nate out, cursing you out, making threats. Um, sending aggravated messages, insults, harassment, and then that when you went to protect yourself, that then escalating on her side, um, where she would try to counter with charging you with the same, trying to charge you with the same things that you were experiencing her do to you. 
right um, and her trying to flip it around and play the victim in these scenarios um, right so now this has been two years of torment and in that time period y'all had a kid right yes was- we did we we did we had a son and also too um something there there she makes a lot of allegations and she says a lot of things that i don't think that she she i i get the feeling that she doesn't think that people will double back and uh reanalyze anything that she says or does um which is maybe why she makes you know off the wall statements but um for example um there was at one point she claimed that she was a paralegal and so, you know, like she had the capability to quote unquote do whatever she wanted, you know, um, kind of like a looming legal threat. Like I'm a paralegal, so I have the power to do X, Y, and Z. Um, well, in reality, she's a shock girl at at a bar. bar. Yeah. Claiming Which I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with just being a shock girl at a bar, but like, don't pretend to be a licensed legal employee when you're not because you have to, Absolutely. you know. Like, you can't, like, you can't, that's not a thing. (laughs) And you're like, people can check up on that and see whether or not you are actually a paralegal. And, you know, we did check up on it and she's not a paralegal. She wasn't a paralegal. Um, And then, like, other things that she had done um, that we will get into in the next episode, like, when she admitted that the Joshua Kane profile was actually hers, that she had been on there. Um, And so it's like... um, I think that, you know, whenever she first started claiming to have been pregnant and whenever she first started in on me, I don't think that she expected anyone to pick up what she was laying down. Like, I think she did it initially for shock value, like, ha ha ha, I'm going to fuck with them type of thing. But she wasn't expecting anybody to be like, boom, harassment charge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on that note, um, you know, one of my theories of observation about her behavior through, especially this first section of time, um, it seemed as though it was entertaining to her. Yeah. That yeah. This was that, that she, like you had said, she initially was, you know, going for attention or going for the shock value or, you know, going for the drama of it, right? Making life more exciting um, for whatever reason that drew her to do that. And people have many reasons to cause drama in their own lives and when it escalated um it was like a challenge a game a battle and she's used those words in many of her own posts you know claiming that this is war that she never backs down from a fight that you know that she sees this as some sort of battle engagement between the two of you when in reality she is an aggressor and you are defending yourself correct and I, I think it's interesting um, on that note that she always thinks that she is in a battle because it's, you know, it's a one-sided battle and it's a battle that she started. Um, yes. So it's kind of like, who like who are you battling against? Because it's, you know, these are the consequences of your actions coming to get you. Like, nobody's battling you. The only thing Nate and I ever asked her to do was leave us alone. And she couldn't do yeah. that, you know? So it's like... Um, for whatever and she reason. had ample opportunity to ample really, opportunity to just step away to disappear to never come back again and to not lead up to the point that we are at now where we are having to lay all of this out for the world to hear about and right actively right. work to you know seek strict legal action against her right to make it stop. um and so 
too, um, I wanted to add on to the tidbit about the thing that you said about, you know, it possibly being entertaining for her. Um, we'll get into the multitude of Facebook fan pages that she had in another episode, but I will say, um, that I think that you are absolutely correct that this was entertainment for her because throughout this ordeal, um, I found out that I was not the only person that she had been doing this to. She has done this to several other people. So while I try not to take it personally, it is personal to me because of the extent that she has gone to through not to only just do this to me, but to other people as well. Um, and absolutely. so it is unnerving and um on that note um we will leave you to ask your questions um anchor has a feature where you can send a message to the creator of the podcast so if you guys have any questions or comments or anything that you would like to ask us or like for us to expand on or delve into please use the message feature and send it to us we would love to hear what you think Absolutely. And we will be adding um, some links to the description of this video that will take you um, to where we'll be posting evidence-based information with this timeline as we go. So you'll be able to keep up to date on everything that's happened. Um, and also we may set up ways to interact farther along through the podcast in those places as well. I mean, you are a mother with three children running her own business and surviving in this capitalistic world while constantly under the harassment of a dream <laughs> stalker. So, it's real crazy. Uh, your time constraints are understandable. Obviously, the long-term plan is to also publish a book uh, talking about this testimony and also talking about resources and ways that people can find help and support if they Definitely. are experiencing this themselves. Definitely. So. But, you know, the, the goal in the end is to seek justice and enact positive changes. And hopefully, through the power of community um, and awareness, we can do just that. Absolutely. Y'all deserve to feel safe. And there's so many other things in this world to make us feel unsafe that having this malicious person actively sabotaging and harassing and contacting your mutuals and um affecting your ability to make money and support your family it's just it needs to stop it needs to stop i agree and thank you for that and on that note as well um if you if anyone out there is going through a similar situation, just know that you too deserve to feel safe and feel loved. And we all deserve the right to defend ourselves and our person and our home and our children in the event that someone is actively trying to harm you or threatening you with bodily harm. Um, and I hope that somewhere along the lines that we can open up um, channels for conversation about how, the justice system can sometimes um, make it hard for someone to be able to defend themselves against people who do things like this. Absolutely. And if you're someone with resources who wants to be able to support, support individuals who are seeking legal action against their stalkers and harassers, because many times if you can't afford to front a lawyer up front and file these charges, you're not going to get anywhere in defending yourself. Um, there is a slew of GoFundMe pages of families and individuals 
trying to escape their stalkers, trying to find freedom. And so I highly encourage just taking some time to read those stories and give what you can um, if you feel, you know, that burden on your heart to help. Um, Definitely. Definitely. There's many victims out there. Definitely. Um, So with that, we hope that you've enjoyed um, learning about a part of the story. And um, we're going to try and do a weekly podcast. But if the episodes are not uploaded weekly, please don't be upset. Um, We are just doing this as time allows and for us to be able to raise awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, as these episodes go along, this will be covering this going either six months to a year at a time, depending on, you know, the amount of events that happen in those time periods, sometimes episodes specific to one date uh, or one incident. uh, And we will be sharing those throughout the podcast um, and giving you that information in chronological order. Yes. And so um, if there's any commentators out there, anyone else who would like to be a guest on the podcast and kind of help us, um deep dive and understand um criminal psychology or anything like that we would also be open to that um but for now we are going to sign off i will link all of our socials um in the description of this video so if you have any questions comments concerns definitely use that message feature or just hit us up we are open books thank you for listening and we hope that your week goes better than expected night and have a great week